When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. The Athletic Football Show is presented by State Farm. Because like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get a quote today. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. Today's Friday, November 19th. I'm Robert Mays. Great show for you guys today. Shook Potty is going to be joining us a little bit later for our weekly pick segment. Before we do that, though, I'm thrilled to welcome my good friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Hi. This was an interesting slate of games to look at. Like, it's, I don't know how to feel about it. It's, it's like moving week a little bit. That's kind of what it felt like. It was like a lot of teams are going to be going on different spurts after this week. And maybe bye weeks are happening, so maybe that's why it's interesting. But I, yeah, I, 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 it's a weird feeling week. I don't know if, if you feel the same. I definitely do, and especially in the AFC race. We talked about a lot of those games yesterday with Lindsay. We're not going to talk about many of them today. Uh, we are going to do our Friday Five. We're going to spend two of those items on the Chiefs and the Cowboys, so we're cheating a little bit. We're going to hit counts. five things as they relate to Week 11. And let's start with that Chiefs-Cowboys game. And let's start with when the Cowboys have the ball. I was went back and I watched a lot of the, the Falcons game, and, and I'm curious what you think about this. I think right now, even if they're not the most explosive, even if they're not the most exciting, which in a lot of ways they are. I mean, Dak is leading the league in EPA per play now. They're the highest scoring offense in the league. But just beyond the fireworks, I think the Cowboys in this exact moment are the most interesting offense in the NFL. Like when I click on the tape every single week, it's like opening a present and not knowing what's going to be in there. It's like, oh, what am I going to get this week? And it's always something different. And I just feel like that's where they are. Everything is so varied. Everything is so unique. There's so many different things that kind of catch your attention and catch your eye. I don't know how you feel, but that's what the sense I get when I watch them right now. Everything they do makes sense. And yes. that's the highest compliment I can give to any unit. <laughs> it's just like, even if it might not be the best unit, at least what they do is sound, or at least I get why they did it. But they are good and they have good players and everything they run is sound. And what you're just saying, too, is like it's interesting because you're like, oh, it's a different presence, a different little twist every week. None of it's gimmicky. And I think that's what I like. None of it is good old traditional ball plays. (laughs) It is awesome. And they just run it extremely, extremely well. And I just love that. It's like they can run any type of concept in the run game or a pass game. They go quick game, play action, deep shots. They can go intermediate five step drop and everything looks good. And they can run it and they have the weapon for it. They have two guys that can do all that. It's like you you are very it's hard to play this team because they just do everything so well. And they have a trigger man right now that's just playing like on, a, on another worldly uh, otherworldly level at this point. And that's the thing with it is everything operates on time. We even talk about like with Mac Jones or something, but just good quarterbacks. You always know the ball is going to the right spot. So everything they draw, if you're running a sound concept. And then the quarterback's going to go to the right spot every time. It's like, it's really hard to defend unless you do something like the Broncos did where a guy falls off where a guy, you know, you do it. Yeah. But that's, that's the extra level three or one level play. But if you're a unit, that's not ready to defend that. Whew, it, it, it's really, really hard how they use the tight ends, especially. I, I love how they use Dalton Schultz. 
he's such a good player. I, 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 I've really come around, not come around on him, but I underestimated how good he was until I just keep watching him, watching him, watching him. And he can win on one-on-ones against anyone covering him. And having a plethora of tight ends that they have that can do that stuff is rare. It's just a, such a fun unit. It's a bunch of good players running good sound scheme. Not being a gimmick, I think, is what really stuck out to me. Because anybody can run a cool play. Yeah. Anybody can steal a play that they saw. And it's like, oh, look at that. It's like, what a cool play design. The Cowboys, and there are, there are some of those, right? Yeah. They come out last week on the first drive. They have a sixth offensive lineman in the game. They split out the sixth offensive lineman it was awesome. out of a heavy personnel set and throw awesome. a screen to CD Lamp. And they, they go on a quick, too. They didn't even let him get lined up. It was, it was, they have, no. oh, they were, they were so, so confused. So the Falcons were up. scrambling right before the play. <laughs> there, are, there are some of those. Yeah. But even the stuff that's a little bit, that feels unique. There's one more wrinkle off of it. And the perfect example to me from last week is what they were doing with McKeon, their third tight end. So they're running that double tight, double YY wing stuff with both tight ends on the same side several different times. They've done that all year. And I want to get into that a little bit. But a couple different times, they motion McKeon 84 into Mm -hmm. the backfield as a fullback. Okay. They run just lead runs with him, just lead power runs with him a couple different times. And then at one point, they run the same sort of action, except he leaks out and runs a, some like a vertical route as the second level on a play action concept. We see the Niners do that all the time, right? With yes. check. We've seen CJ Ham do it, but he's a tight end. And so it's just this little layer of complexity, but it ties in with their run game. That's what that's what's interesting to me is that the stuff that they're doing that feels special always has one little compliment off of it. It's always thoughtful. It's never just novel for being novel's sake. It's such a good point. I mean, I mean, the, I'm so glad you said the 49ers example because that's the exact same line of thinking. It's just a different flavor of it. But it's the same philosophy of having everything set up something else. And you can see this from the first game against the Bucks. They ran the, the little bubble and then they ran the bubble and yeah. go, the smoke and go uh, to CD Lamb against the Bucks on the first or second drive, not the first drive, but early in the game. And that's what they do. Everything sets up itself, motioning the receivers down. I've made a huge point about how Amari Cooper has become a better blocker, but CD lamb's great at it. They also have Noah, uh, Noah Brown 85 that comes down as well, but then they build the other stuff to make it look like that. All that hip tight end stuff, the Y Y wing hip slot, uh, and all those that hip, 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 hip. What's so great about those formations is you can get to a lot of stuff. If yeah. you have the guys that, especially tight ends, that's why I keep bringing up a point about the tight ends. If you have guys that are versatile in the run and pass, you can kind of just get to every type of run because you can motion guys places. You it's the true adjuster formation. And every like you said, everything just has that little builds off itself. Like even the jumbo, I don't know why I'm giving visuals for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I gave Robert a great hand placement there while I was I was acting like stuff was stacking on top. As someone of who other, constantly but, talks with his hands, you don't have yeah. to explain yourself to me. It just yeah, <laughs> it makes sense with our parents, probably. It's <laughs> just like almost like just talking loud, but um, <clears throat> excuse me. But the six alignment stuff, like that play you just brought up, that's what's been so cool. He They've used the jumbo tight end, Connor McGovern, 10 different ways this year. They're yep. not just going like, oh, he's the Y tight end. He's the extra tight end. We're going jumbo. He's in the backfield. That play, they split him out as a receiver. And it's just Later in the game, person. he was in the backfield, and they threw a play action pass to Amari Cooper. It's just yes. it's one little and, thing every single time. And another, time. another one they had, I, even, I haven't seen him do this one. They went 20 personnel, so they had three wides, and then he was the fullback, just like you said, and they ran lead with him. But the uh, the Falcons had no idea how to like get set 
Because like, how do we treat the jumbo fullback with three wides? Like you could tell there, it broke all the rules. And it's not that, that's the nice thing when you can use personnel like Kellen Moore does. Like you can see that Boise State influence in that and using the little, just the little personnel switches is that the defenses have all these rules all week to go. If 84 is here, we do this. If 19 is here, we do this. If 88 is here, we do this. But if you just add these little, oh shit, what did coach say when they go four by one? What do we do with the jumbo tight or jumbo alignment split? Like, they pop brains and that, and when you have good players and you're getting those types of little advantages too. Oh, it, it's, it looks like this. It looks like the number one EPA offense. The Niners. I know what box I'm putting them in. You can put the Niners in a box. That's a sandbox. I'm willing to play in. It's a good time. Yeah. I enjoy watching them, but there's still a categorization that is very easy. I wouldn't know how to categorize what the Cowboys offense is right now. And if you were a team looking at Kellen Moore as a potential head coach, that would excite me yeah. because it's not as, oh, we've built this hyper-specific thing and because I have the personnel, because I have a Kyle Hughes check, I live in 21 and that's how we live. They got Michael Gallup back this week yep. and they did not do anything differently. I was just going to say they barely used them. <laughs> they and they don't have Mike, Gallup. Michael Gallup is back mm-hmm. and Blake Jarwin was hurt still. Yep. And what did they do? A mix of McKeon and Jeremy Sprinkle, and we're still going to do all of our 12 personnel stuff. We're still going to be varied and hard to predict and hard to defend, and we're going to have all these wrinkles on wrinkles on wrinkles. It's not a version of a system that we're used to watching. It's just a really cohesive offensive plan that has its own separate identity. And I think when you have something like that, that's true ingenuity from an offensive yeah. football coach. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing right now. It's not derivative of anything. Nope. It is what it is. It's its own thing. I can see different little fingerprints, but I, I completely agree. Like I had somebody last week, I'm trying to remember who, someone was like, what do you call this? And I was like, traditional NFL offense. That's just what I said. This is pro style. That's, this is what we used to think of pro, t- pro style offense. This is what it was. It was 12 and 11 hip formations, you know, move around the second tight end, you know, college teams weren't doing that. They're still using fullbacks and stuff. So this is, this is pro style. Um, and that's, that's, that's such a great way. Cause they just run a great way to put it. Cause they run so many good sound concepts. Like even their passing game, they run a lot of quick game. And usually I'm one that's like, screw that. But it's, I, I, I'm not a big fan of quick game. There's a couple concepts I like, but when you have Dak Prescott reading all five guys on a quick game concept, it's like, Holy crap. Everything's just cranked to 11. 11-11, but nothing is gimmicky. It's not It's not a tricky Mickey Mouse offense. It's not winning with surprise and winning with speed and trying to get to the edge, winning with tempo. They can get to it, but it's not how they win. And Kellen, Kellen Moore has influences with, with Scott Linehan. And like why I like watching it, especially the person or their um, the protection stuff, is it makes sense to me. It, it's like it's just what yeah. it's kind of what I was raised in. And the language is the same but how they uh, use that language is completely different. So they might call it double slants a lion, but then they might deploy it way different than the 2003 Minnesota Vikings did. <laughs> you know, it's it, that's, but for me, that's really fun to see. It's, it's taking a good idea and just stacking on top of it. And that's what they've done. Like with all these guys and also having guys that are very versatile, like a CD lamb, this just helps when your stars do the dirty work, good things happen. Zeke Elliott and pass protection, CD lamb and Amari Cooper run blocking um, Dalton Schultz, the tight end willing to, lead up on guys also beat guys one-on-one those those are just the skill guys and we're not even talking about the offensive line that's playing well it's it's a really fun unit that makes it really hard on defenses because they they're not it's everything has an answer (laughs) 
I think this is the best way to put it. Everything, every concept they run has answers to whatever you want to run as a defense. And if I if I get into two tight ends, we dictate what you want to do on the defense. Oh, you want to go sub and go nickel? We're going to pound the rock. Oh, you want to go base? Okay, we're going to throw the ball. They get to dictate what the defense does. So I want to get to that in a second. Just one quick note about the offensive line. Tyron Smith, I think, has been limited in practice this week. Getting him back would be amazing. They held Huge. up well against Atlanta last week. Steel did a now, great job at left side, on the left side. I was he's, fired up. To- they, they've gotten a lot more out of him. Obviously, he had a semi-rough week, Wait. his first week at left tackle. That bouncing over there is not easy. Not easy. And if they, when they can get Tyron Smith back, they're going to be rolling, and we know that. <laughs> yes. So you yes. mentioned this, and I, I want to get to the Chief, how this applies to the Chiefs' defense here. Mm-hmm. Because... I went back and I watched their 12 personnel snaps that the Raiders had against Kansas City last week. There's playing base. If it's not in a third down specific situation where they can be in a wonky front, they were playing base on early downs against 12 personnel. And that's what you want. If I'm (laughs) Kellen Moore and I see those three linebackers on the field when I'm in my 12 personnel sets, I'm licking my lips. Because that's exactly what they want. And that's what we talk about when dictating offense. So what do you expect the Chiefs to do in response to to those sort of sets from the Cowboys and the way that the Cowboys like to live. That's what I'm very curious because Spags does not want to be safe. And that's what's tough is I think this is a unit you want to – it's so hard because it's I've seen this team, like the Chargers playing the Cowboys earlier in this year. They were like, hey, we're going to make you matriculate. Cowboys obliged. <laughs> and they matriculated <laughs> down the field and they did what they wanted to do. But in a team-based game, that might be the way to do it. Because if you think this chief, your offense, I'm talking about the Chiefs' offense, can get points, then let's make them go on these long drives. But I don't know if Spax does that. I think what you're just saying about keeping the Chiefs in base, that is exactly, like you said, licking your lips. Because Spags' is best off is passing downs. He just wants to get yeah. to third down or second and long and get in the sub-personnel and bring his shit and, and heat you up and do all get crazy, which we know is not great to do against Dak. So... That is a very hard place to answer. I would say if I were bet, if, not betting, but if I were putting the game, putting the, together this game plan against the Cowboys, it's just playing it safe and just making them making them work work your way down the field. But I just don't think they have the horses to do that for four quarters. I don't think they can stop them, but they did that last yeah. week against the Raiders. They only yes. blitzed five times. They played a lot more cover two, and they said we're not going to just send extra bodies and let you dice us up. Just and cause. it worked for them. And yeah. I think that's the correct response here because you look at the numbers. I tweeted it out today. Dak has still been blitzed at the fourth highest rate in the NFL among full-time starting quarterbacks, right? On those plays, 98 dropbacks. He has 15 touchdown passes on 98 dropbacks. No one else in the NFL has more than eight. Eight. He has twice as many as everyone else. He's been sacked twice on 98 blitz dropbacks. He's been sacked two times. The reason that you do this is to create negative plays. If you're not creating negative plays, then why are you doing it? Yeah. 15% touchdown rate on 98, 15% of those. It makes up in a touchdown, no sense to me. And if you it's look gashed at it, it's gashed. And you're just and being they're gashed. gashed. So, <laughs> so stop doing it. <laughs> and he leads the NFL in EPA per dropback, right? It's 0.21 when not blitzed and 0.26 when blitzed. You're fucked either way against yeah. this team right now because of how well he's playing. But I still think that when you're bringing extra heat, against a quarterback that wins the way that he does and a running back that wants to hit people. Yes, and it's great. Zeke wants to protect. He wants to be a part of their offense in that way. Yes, he takes pride in it. And that's awesome. Stars doing the dirty work. (laughs) Where are you creating an advantage for yourself? Yep. I just don't see it. I don't see an advantage. We're going to talk about Lamar here in a bit. Teams are gaining an advantage. 
when they're blitzing the Ravens. Keep yep. spamming that shit. Against the Cowboys, I just don't know what advantage you're gaining. I know. I know. That's what was so funny when you just asked me that question. I was like, shit, man, you tell me. Because <laughs> I, I want to, it's, it's, they have an answer. That's what it is. They have an answer for whatever you want to do. And it's, you just got to make it like, make them be patient. And that's the thing. They are fine doing that. Their, their shot plays are very measured. It's very, mm, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Like, it's not like, not like the Chiefs of, of yesteryear where it's like every three plays is a shot play. Do, do, do. Or my dad's old teams with the Vikings where every other play was a shot play to Randy Moss or check it down. It's, they are fine doing that measured stuff. But then when they feel you're tightening up, tightening up, then they take their shots. So it's just, Whatever you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You just gotta hope for some luck, like the Broncos did. You gotta hope for them to drop two wide open touch or two wide open first downs early in the game, like stuff like that. That's really what you're praying. I think that if I were trying to build a plan here, it would be conservative but dynamic. And what I mean yeah. by that is, let's be a Rolodex defense, but let's have the different calls be: we're gonna get to two this way. We're gonna we're gonna play cover two in weird ways. We're dropping somebody down where you don't know where the bodies like the are coming from, but they're gonna be on the back end. And yeah. The, the Chiefs have been comfortable doing that for years, right? They get to that weird two look where Tyron Matthew drops down into the hole. And yep. Those kind of looks where you have the resources on the back end, but it's just hard to know exactly what it's going to look like, what the picture is going to look like play to play. And that's yep. easier said than done, but I think that's probably the best way to go about this because that's yes. what the, the Broncos did, right? They didn't blitz, but you don't know what the picture is going to look like. Yep. You have guys dropping off of routes falling into different holes on the back end of the defense. I think that's exactly what you need to do against this team, even if it's not a good plan, because you're still being conservative when it all and comes down to it. It's like, yes, stack can get to three, but make him do it 25 times. Make him get yes. to his third read 25 times. I think, yeah. Exactly. We're, me and you are putting this game plan together. We got it now. <laughs> all right, let's get to the other side of the ball here, which is another kind of interesting matchup. So we, we watched the Chiefs offense last week playing against a Raiders team that is, is a good matchup for them, right? Yeah. I mean, the Raiders play single high. That's what they do. And and I don't even – I think a lot of people have been really hard on Gus Bradley over the last week yeah. doing this. When you play this way, it's hard to change your stripes. And their defense has been pretty good this year. So sitting there and saying, well, why don't they just play more too high coverages? If you don't know how to do that and you don't know where the weaknesses are and you don't know how to adjust and you're putting guys in bad spots, if you're putting Jonathan Abram in the <laughs> – deep half of the field that's not necessarily a good idea the yeah. cowboys are up there in the amount of single high looks that they've played this year they've played fewer two high coverages about 78 snaps overall than about three quarters of the league part of that is because they played so much man they played yes. a ton of man coverage so it's been a lot of cover one which puts you in single high i have more confidence in the cowboys ability to have a shift because of what they did against Minnesota, other kind of in-game adjustments that they've made than I had in the Raiders' ability to throw a specific game plan at the Chiefs. I don't know how you feel about that. That's literally my notes. <laughs> they they like to live in man and single high, but with Dan Quinn and Gus Bradley coming from the same tree, I guess you can put it, same Seahawks three, is that their flavors have always been a little different. It's yeah. Bradley is like as pure as pure gets. This is like... Shoot, Steve Mariucci, West Coast offense. Steve, they're Holmgren, in their own West world. Coast of, they, yes. they are in their own world still own world. In, the, in the current NFL. Correct. They they are as pure as pure gets with that single high stuff, or the cover three stuff. The Cowboys, like you alluded to with the Vikings game, that was like that gives me hope for it that they can adjust or at least throw in a different little sprinkling. 
that you just change up the look. And what we just allude to with the uh, with how the Chiefs go against the the Cowboys offense is varying up the look on it. Uh, that that cow that uh, um, Cowboys Vikings game was a really good kind of glimpse, and that Dan Quinn is able to kind of like adapt a little bit or just have a little like maybe two game plan coverages that they can get to that's okay yeah we're gonna run our man we're gonna run a little bit of three we're gonna bring our pressures they got some cool pressure stuff i mean they got good good guys up front which helps but after that it's like well we can get a cover two out of nowhere first and ten we're running cover two third and two we're running cover two you know just a little just that little where it's all of a sudden mahomes is looking to the flat thinking he's got a little flat route and there's a corner waiting for him then he has to double clutch and the pass rush gets home so at least he has that little sprinkle to it so it's not true going like oh they face another single high defense next week it's like i think dan quinn saw what happened last week and was like well i'm not going to do that like <laughs> for for 60 minutes i'll do it like we'll major in it but i think his minor is going to be a way different than what Gus bradley was doing last week the other thing too is that this cowboys defense actually has like good team speed and that helps this how many times have we seen this chiefs team just they just look so much faster than everybody else they preach having speed 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 so I think that this Cowboys team actually has those guys. That's like they're not going to look like they're running quicksand if they're going to keep running verticals against them and doing all that types of stuff. Uh, I do think the Chiefs offense has done. They tweaked a little bit last week. I'm, I'm curious if they continue to tweak it this week as well. So last week, Randy Gregory's hurt, obviously. And we know that DeMarcus well. Lawrence is hurt. Dallas last week on 23 dropbacks brought eight pressures. So you know, a third <laughs> of the plays. And it was a disaster. Matt Ryan was two of eight for 21 yards with an interception on those plays. You can manufacture pressure when you don't have your horses out there. Guys, yep. You can't play like that against Mahomes, though. And that's the problem. So this is the first week where we're going to have to see them with their depleted front not being able to manufacture pressure. So if if the recipe is you drop eight, you rush four, and you make them beat you, if those four can't get heat, the whole start Hold plan up. starts to unravel a little bit. Yeah, this is a long way hat. of me saying this is a thirty-eight, thirty-one type of game in my opinion. I can't wait. I just think it's up and down. I, it, I think the Cowboys off the Cowboys defense has been better than we all expected. Yep. But talk about gash or be gashed, they they take risks. They're yep. willing to live on the edge, and against this team, that's not a place you want to live. I think that both offenses are going to have their way, and that is why I am very, very excited to watch what this game looks like, how it unfolds. We might see like 16 total drives because every drive is like (laughs) methodical drives. Like, you know, one drive, it's going to be an eight-minute drive, then a six-minute drive. Oh, and then Mahomes hits a deep shot right there because they beat a a pressure. I know. I'm curious. Maybe Dan Quinn just goes, no pressure at all, like which would be like totally leaning into the punch a little bit, like going, hey, we have no guys up front, but we know. Like, oh, I know. That's what's going to be so fun about this game. It's going to be a lot of guys that uh, are both defensive coordinators, I think, are going to have to feel like have a really good feel on how their units can perform. I mean, obviously, that's what coaching is. That's the stupidest statement I've ever made in my life. But (laughs) it's that I think I'm curious to see how they adapt against these really good offenses. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. 
Let's get to our next one here. I want to talk about the Colts run game. Something we wanted to dig into last week before all the news started coming <laughs> right before the show <laughs> about Beckham, about Cam Newton. So it's something we've had in our holster here for a little while. Colts are fifth in rushing DVOA, second in rushing EPA. I mean, if you look at some of these numbers, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is averaging 5.8 yards per carry right now. He has been incredible. Amazing. I mean, Amazing. he has been a big play waiting to happen. So I wanted to dig into just the ways that the Colts are making this work and what has kind of stood out about their run game. So when you went back and you watched them, what were kind of the defining aspects of the way they've been able to run the ball over the last few weeks? First off, go Badgers. But second off is this this line is kicking some ass up front. Uh, they they run a lot of zone. They ran they run some trap maybe in the red zone stuff like that. But I, what it's I in the red zone. Noticed, it's it's yep, so funny. I want to talk about that. Tra- trap's a big high red zone play. It's because you can get the soft coverage, so you don't have to worry about the guys coming up. Yeah, but they oh that one looked good too. But this this Colts team it was after watching really I think maybe because I watched too much Justin Fields tape and then watching the Bears run all that zone and then watching the Colts run zone out of very similar formations. How they hit, obviously, Jonathan Taylor is a very good back, but how those plays hit is so much different because up front, they're so much better. The Colts, the Colts guys can capture defenders and flip their hips. And so you see Jonathan Taylor hitting stuff more front side and then getting north front side, getting north, as opposed to Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery hitting backside because when a zone run, a zone run takes away, a, it sh- uh, minimizes the room for error. Like, cause then it, or maximizes the room for error, <laughs> maximizes the room for error because what it does is the running back can make the O-line right. It's really hard for an offensive lineman to get their head across on a defender working away from them. Athletic, really freaky guys can do. That's why a few weeks ago we flipped out about Tyron Smith doing it on a guy. Yeah. It's like, cause it's awesome. The Colts have some guys that can do it. Not only Nelson, Ryan Kelly is playing freaking fantastic. I mean, I know he's already a pro bowler. He's gotten all pro last year, but it's like, I, I was, I, 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 all right, sidebar. Where do you put him as centers? Because he might be my, I, I, he might be number one center for me right now. Watching after watching two games, uh, as Ooh. it's like him. I know because this, uh, this. I spent a half hour before the show, kind of like throwing this around. I know. We can take I'd have a pause to think here, about but. it, but right now he's playing extremely well. I mean, just I when you think about physical forces in the run game, he's definitely up there, and it's the front side stuff because to me, what's jumped out about. Their kind of recipe right now, and you can tell me if I'm oversimplifying this, between the 20s, when they're trying to hit home runs, it's a lot of zone and a lot of trying to hit it backside. They they build in cuts backside where they'll they'll have – they run a lot of inside zone to the weak side. So they'll run it not to the tight end. And then the tight end and Fisher on the backside won't wash down. They'll literally turn guys out in order to create yep. cutback lanes because for them, the run game is not a way to gain six yards. It's a way to gain 40 yards. Yes. And th- them thinking about it that way is is transformed their offense. It's building in those cutback lanes. A, a few teams think about their run game this way where it's not a compliment. It's the way that we're going to create explosive plays. The Browns are like this. The Packers are like this. and The Niners are like this. The Ravens mm-hmm. are like this. The Angles – it's the entire consideration is backside angles because we're looking for explosive runs. And that's what the Colts seem to be doing. But so on the front side of stuff, Kelly's crushing people. Crushing. And he and that has their double out teams to me are so good. Like crushing that's people. the thing. Their double team, they get to the second level so fast because the double teams are so hard. Yes. And yes. so they 
a lot of like uh, just real quick i shouldn't be able to teach a line play but it's that it's a comfort thing you feel you're working a double team it's a partnership on a block and then one guy has to come off they have to see it that's the same way that's why run blocking takes time it's like you have to give it a feel my the center has to get a chemistry it's a chemistry thing their chemistry is outstanding and on top of that they're super physical like mike galinsky mike galinsky from seattle like he's playing really well. And it's because like those double teams, they're just moving guys. And then Kelly can climb to the second level. And then of course, Quentin Nelson uh, on the left side, but it's like, and Fisher had a really good game. He's had a really good Jags. couple games against the Jags. Healthy. The first, the first big run, the 34 yarder that they, that Taylor had to start yeah. the game. Fisher and Quentin Nelson on the backside had a really, really nice combo where Fisher comes yeah. off of it late. Taylor does a great job of waiting for it. His patience on that run makes that 34-yard gain because he doesn't yep. press the hole too fast. He yes. lets those guys fit up, and then he can explode. And yep. then there was another play. I want to say it was in the Jets game where Fisher picked off two guys. He picked off two guys on the same play. It, they Pascal had a jet motion from left to right. The linebackers bumped over. And then Fitch, Fisher picks off the defensive end. Again, talk, what we're talking about. Just imagine this. If you're running a zone run to the right, a lot of times you'll see that even the left tackle on the backside step with everyone else. Yep. The Colts will leave Fisher to peel back the backside to create those lanes. So not only did he block the defensive end on that play, he got a piece of the nickel too, and it created an explosive run. So his ability to do that and his ability to kind of get comfortable in this run game has really been big for them. So yeah, it's, it's all those guys. Getting Braden Smith yeah. back has been huge for them. Yes. And he's they, well. had, they had a massive well. double team, Smith and Glowinski, uh, against the Jags last week, where they just again taking defensive tackles into linebackers. It was fun, and it was in the red zone, yeah. and that's what they do when they're trying to hit home runs. They run inside zone weak and try to hit cutbacks. Yes. When they're tr- when they get into the red zone, then they start running trap and duo, Adieu. and it's all downhill. So yeah. watching that transition happen, when it's like, well, we don't need a forty yard run because we only got twenty yards to the end zone. That part has been really interesting. It's so cool. The other thing that – a couple other things that I think are worth noting. They've hit a lot of big runs with Hines on the field where they'll have Hines and Taylor on the field at the same time. The pony stuff, yep. The touchdown they scored against the Jets, they had them both on the field at the same time and they had Hines in the slot. So one of the linebackers was walked over onto him in the slot, which left a super light box. Wide open and box. that's what – they hit it front side for an easy walk-in touchdown – because of the way they manipulated it. The first 34-yard gain they had against the Jets, or excuse me, against the Jags last week, Hines and Pittman are in a stack to the right side. It's just one more way to add an unnecessary layer of complexity to your run game. Because it's what we talked about with the Cowboys. You walk out and it's like, well, what are we supposed to do if if the running back is the slot receiver? And should I walk out here? And what should you be doing? It's just, he can do that. Because he can run any route you ask him to do. So you're not putting yourself at any sort of disadvantage or giving any vulnerability by putting him out there, but you're creating confusion for the defense. So many of their big gains recently have been out of 21 personnel with him just at a receiver spot, which yeah. is really interesting. Yes, because especially if it, if I go 21 normal, defense will match with base. If I go 21 pony with an extra running back, they might match with nickel. And yeah. I really like Jonathan Taylor running against light bodies. <laughs> I like I like having my offensive line that like brutalizes people maybe going against a sub package D line. You know, defenses have, hey, we have a pass rushing package. Oh wow, it's second along. They're in oh, 
defense coordinators, D-line coaches don't know sometimes. They just hear the personnel. And they're like, oh, okay, we're in sub. We're in nickel. Okay. Uh, all right, NASCAR, NASCAR. All right. They do that. And all of a sudden, we're running zone against your light bodies right there. And that's what a big back, especially how explosive Jonathan Taylor is, but a big back can do too. Because on those zone runs, when they're split in the crease, is they get a lot of side tackles. And when you have a guy like Derrick Henry or a Nick Chubb, a Jonathan Taylor, these big explosive bodies, that those arm tackles don't matter. They're like it's not like they get brushed and then they get tripped up and it's you know it's a team tackle. It's like no, you miss that side tackle. Well, here comes a twenty yard gain. <laughs> so it's a perfect complement of parts. And they're like you said, they're turning a weak side zone into a power run or an at you run because it gets downhill so quickly. It's not a side to side run. They've turned a finesse run into almost a at you run, which is so cool. Those home run swings that they take on those weak side zone plays. That's a huge part of what they're doing because if you look at it, they're second in rushing EPA, just by EPA per play behind the Browns. <laughs> the Browns, are, the, the Browns continue to just be up there alone. Screens are running game or running ball. <laughs> they're second in EPA per, per rush. They're 18th in success rate. The Colts are. Oh, so it's uh, what does that disconnect? It's massive plays. It's just for the huge <laughs> monster home runs. Yep. And that's why I think that this is an interesting matchup against the Bills because the Bills' run defense is so sound. Yes. All, when you're playing against a team like the Jets or a team like the Jags and you're trying to pick on backup slot corners in run defense, when you're trying to pick on backup edges or just lesser edge players on the backside of runs when you're creating those home runs, that's possible. You can find those plays. When you're playing against the Bills and the backside of those runs is 6'7", Greg Russo, when the slot corner is Taron Johnson, who's willing to get his face in there, when the safeties are willing to be tacklers, yep. it's much more difficult. If you look at it, the Bills have had 72 run plays with six, only six guys in the box. It's the ninth most in the NFL. If a 67% success rate with six guys in the box, which also ranks in the top 10. They've created 10 more EPA per play, or 10 more EPA total than any other defense in the league with six-man boxes against the run. Remember when I said the Bills defense? You know what they're doing, and it's so frustrating to go against because yes. that's what it, light box. Let's pound away on this. Hey, they're in quarters again. Let's, let's do that. Like, nope. It's so frustrating. I'm telling you, because you know what they're going to be in, you know what they're going to do, and they still execute it. So it really is. It's like the it's the defensive version of the Cowboys' offense. Like you, it's like how how do you go against it? It's just sound concepts with good players, and they just run it really well. It's like, but you know what they're going to do to you. Try and stop it. And ha, huh. I actually like as you were talking there, and I was just thinking about how the Bills like to play in big nickel as well. And it's like that's a counter to yeah. the pony personnel. It was like, oh, yep. Oh, I, I figured out the answer there <laughs> for how the Bills will counter that. It's like, oh, that was easy. But yeah, that's I, it's a fun matchup because that's going to be it's going to be a barroom brawl up front. It, it is. It's going to be. It, it used to be. We would laugh when we Wisconsin would play at Iowa when I was at Wisconsin because it was like I would run two coverages. They're in cover two and cover six, a couple times two man, and they would just try and beat you up front with Adrian Claiborne, all the other guys, Clug, Carl Clug, all those type of guys. And on offense, you know what we're going to be in. We're in eye formation, two tight ends. We're going to run power. We're going to run some zone. We're good. It was every defender and every offensive guy knowing that they'll get yelled at if they don't maintain their gap or get their head across. So it's guys just washing each other down for four quarters, just like, I'm not getting yelled at. No MAs were happening for four quarters. So I feel like that's what this game's going to be against that offensive line, defensive line. It's just going to be guys going like, 
I'm not coming off the double team because we haven't gotten our head across. And then the linebacker go, I'm not triggering because he hasn't, you know, it's like just everyone's going to be very, very sound up front. It's an interesting kind of cat and mouse with trying to figure out how you want to play it because you don't yep. want those gashes on the cutbacks. Nope. But he, you also, the moment, and that this is why this is hard to do. You're thinking, well, they hit all these home runs off this weak side zone. Let's just play it slow. The moment you play it so slow, he's going out the front door for 40 yards. And that's the problem when you have a back like this. And talk about running back value ad nauseum yeah. for the last decade here. They legitimately believe Chris Bauer said it on hard knocks, but it's been said. I've heard it in the past before that about what he could be, that he could be a 2000 yard back. He could be one of the best players in the league when let loose. Frank Reich said today, it's time to turn up his workload a little bit. When you have somebody like this, when you have this dynamic, it reminds me of Chubb. Like, to me, in it terms does. of their athletic profile, what they can yep. give you in the run game, it's just different. When your run game can be how you create explosive plays, you have to consider the run game differently. And yep. I think that's what it is for the Colts in this moment. And I think it's going to be really interesting to watch for the rest of the year. I thought you were starting to talk about Naheem Hines right there. No. <laughs> <laughs> we already got his pass catching in. We're good. He's a receiver already. No, but that's, hey, that's serious though. Like running the zone stuff is that's where the running back makes you right. That's the yeah. beauty of zone. The running back can make the offensive line right. That's why everybody has to know what kind of is going on, the fronts and how the angles are. Because the running back goes, well, the right guard didn't win on there. I'm working to the left here in my, in my made up play that I'm picturing right now. Oh, the right guard didn't win. Well, I'll cut back behind him, and here we go. I'm, I'm north now. Oh, wow, the right guard did win. All right, I'm going to stay front side. I'm staying front side, and now I'm out to shoot all, all the way going around. That's what a running back can do if they dictate it. And the thing is, he's not just smart like that. He's just like a 0.01% athlete. <laughs> that, that's that's that, the thing. That's the difference yeah. is when you have that combination. That's why he reminds me of Chubb. It's like you have this upper, upper, upper echelon, rare, rare, rare physical profile plus an ability to play the position. Yeah. The last thing I want to say about this, isn't it funny how they run more duo with Hines because he can play with the linebacker? Yes. When they when they want the uh, explosive yes. plays, they run zone with Taylor because that's how you hit the 500-foot home runs. But they'll run duo with Naheem Hines because he's so much shiftier and just sneakier that yep. the, they play with the linebacker on those plays. Because yep. you've talked about this. On duo, where you're having those two double teams in the middle, you're kind of leaving the linebacker unblocked in a Correct. way. And you're supposed to play with him. And yeah. Hines is just so much better in that short area quickness where he can make the linebacker wrong, where Correct. Taylor, it's I'm making the blocks right. Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah, it's cat and mouse with the mic, I think, is the coaching point. And what it is, you're, like you said, there's the two double teams working there. And what the running back does is like, oh, I'm going left. And you get the, the linebacker sealed. You want him to take the bait and come up, and then the double team just washes him away. And yes, And, and think about Hines' so skill good. set, right? Yes. It's side to side. It, he's that's much more so it's, it's a there's a horizontal quickness to him where yeah. Taylor, it's a vertical speed and that's yes. the difference in their skill set. So <sighs> why so wouldn't you run together. different run concepts with them? Makes sense. Run to their strengths. <laughs> Another thing we wanted to dig into last week that we did not have time to. And again, this, the matchup is not as sexy. They're playing the, the Texans this week, but I feel like we really should talk about it, is the Titans defense because yes. they've been playing so well. And it was just one of those things like, how are they doing this? Like, what is driving this success? And I came away with a couple answers. I'm curious what jumped out to you when you started digging back into them. I would say coverage-wise, this would have been a dream to break down as a quality control coach. I know what they're in every single play. Every play, just, you know, just coverage-wise. I was, I mean, just that's, but the thing is, why they do that 
is because they're up front. They're a bunch of maulers. <laughs> and funny watching them up front. It, I don't want to compare that coverage wise. Oh, because it's it's quarters, a couple pressures. They telegraph some robber and two. But like how they show it, there's not really. Uh, okay. Because I was going to say. They mix they it up. a ton of stuff. They, they, they mix it up. But it's the vanilla version of each, if that makes gotcha. sense. So it's gotcha. like. I, there's now there's some I'm I'll be completely honest. There's some modern coverages where I'm like, is that two or is that a variation of quarters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, in the grand scheme of things, it really is just splitting hairs, but it does matter if you're trying to attack it. So like, but when I watch the Titans, I just go two, like two Tampa. That's easy. That's three. That's like they just show it and run, they line up and run and, and just go. They show their blitzes and go. And I I get it. There's an appreciation for some of that. But as a quality control coach, that would have been awesome. Just oh two four. I don't have to like. What is 54 doing there? Like none of that. So, but what, to your point, yes, they are varied, but it's just that what they run. So I'm not like dogging them. I'm just saying that they kind of telegraph what they do, but well, why they, they do that is because they're up front. They're a bunch of badasses. <laughs> well, they've run a lot of, they, they, they'll they do a lot of that too high stuff where it's the shell and then they'll do different things out of it. Right. And they come down, they'll drop buyer down. That happened a couple of yep. times against the saints. If you look yep. at, there was a stretch of a couple straight sacks and they were in a two high shell. They and they and they bring buyer down, and they they're in three with that. With and that, Simeon like, had no idea. Buzz. Simeon and that's had the no problem. Held the and ball. That, yep. That's to me that is their advantage right now. If you look at yeah. it, they're fifth in the NFL in cover one snaps. They're fifth in cover two snaps. Okay. They're fifth or they're fourth in quarters. Okay. And eighteenth in cover three. It's a weird combination of different coverages it's it's really different than a lot of teams who live in one place or the other yep and so when they're in that shell and you don't know what it's going to be until the ball is snapped it it is clear when the play starts by the time the play ends it's like that's cover three that's quarters that's this it's very distinctive then but the way they line up there's that half second but as the play is starting rotate where there's a little bit of hesitation so when you combine that with the front playing the way that it is it's a perfect marriage. I yeah. expected to watch them and think, oh, what are they lining up these guys in all these weird places? Are That's they? what I was and expecting. <laughs> it's, it, there's some of that, right? There are some plays where they'll have Jet, the they'll have Simmons, Autry, and Landry line up on the same side, and they'll run a little game with them. There are times mm-hmm. where they'll have Autry and Simmons on the same side. I expected Autry to play inside more than he has because he did a lot of that in Indy, and he mm-hmm. has not done that here. And so it's an interesting kind of it's not it's like a rush end, but it's, like, it's yeah, it's like it's not as funky on the front as I expected it to be for how dominant that they are. Right. Landry is third in the NFL in pressures, according to PFF. Simmons is fourth and Autry is eighth mm. It's on the same team. And when you see that, it's like, man, are they doing something really weird to make that happen? Nope. No, it's just Kick a ass. really nice combination of Simmons being a monster. Autry being a really nice piece. It's the compliment with Landry and Autry on either side. It really works because yes. Autry's 270s, more powerful. He can hold down that side against the run, which is really nice. But it really is just a great marriage of we're going to make you hold it half a second and we're going to get home. That's what they're doing right now. It's not a yes. lot of blitzing. It's not a lot of funky stuff. It's just a really sound way of playing defense that is working for them. And that's so funny you say that because I and one of the things I just wrote down Patriots because I was they it's same philosophy. It's not what I, as far as like how they win up front. It's we're just going to push the pocket. We're going to confuse the quarterback. So he has to get to two or three. And then by the time he does that pressures there 
And that makes sense that they got a lot of pressures because they're pushing the pocket, pushing the pocket. And I love what you're saying about the synergy of their front. That's I completely agree with that. It's like they got these big, they're not bendy, but it's these big explosive straight line guys. And then you got Landry as the kind of the speed, quote unquote speed guy. But he's the bendy like one. Yep. He's the bendy one. It's but it's a nice flavor. But when you sometimes when you lean into the same thing for everybody, it's like too samey. Because then when somebody counter punches you, you're like, oh shit, we have no answers because we built our entire team this way, which you see time and time again happen. And the other thing too is because they're so big and physical up front, those linebackers stay clean. And yes, I, I'm now I'm looking up who the hell Monty Rice is, the third round rookie. <laughs> Cause I was like, <laughs> dude, he's reading the game. I'm like great. And he stayed yeah. clean because he's under, they like these little undersized linebackers, David Long, we've talked about before. He would, he didn't play last week, but he has played well. They stay clean. They're able to read the game because they're both instinctive guys. And since they can stay clean, they can just go make the tackle. They don't have to shed a block. They don't have to worry about that size synergy. It makes, it works. <laughs> if your guys stay healthy, it actually helps out your entire unit. And that's kind of, it, it was I watched it and I had more fun watching them than I thought I would. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Just like, that, I think that's the best way. I thought I was like, oh, they got lucky against the Rams a couple of times, made a nice couple of plays. And then I was watching the Saints game. I was like, they just, they're playing sound. Like, are their corners great? No, but it's everything else. I love that front seven and I love how they play and they play fast. Everybody knows what they're doing, which it was like, so I'm going to give them some compliments to them because at the beginning of the year, they looked lost at times. And now it's like, you can tell they really honed in on what they want to do. I almost appreciate the purity of it. Where yeah. it's just so ungimmicky that it's like, oh, they're just like they just played quarters on that play, and it just they did that the quarterback and, wasn't sure what he was seeing. They got home, yep. and that was it. And it, it wasn't like some safety like, like flew down or anything like no. that. It's like nope, everyone just played their they played their coverage, and the rush got home, and that's it. Second and twenty two now. <laughs> and now the nice part is for them, they're healthy, right? Yep. Christian Fulton's back. They, Elijah Molden has been able to you know play that slot corner spot for them and also play in the box a little bit. That little versatility is helpful because then you can kind of have three safety looks with him and Hooker and Byard on the field depending on how you want to use them. And just that little bit of flexibility that's yep. helpful. And they're healthy on the back end. They weren't. They survived that stretch where they weren't. And their linebackers have been good, right? Jan Brown yeah. is back now. Long played really well in his stead when yes. he was hurt. So, I mean, it's – it's one of those things I expect them to be pretty damn good for the rest of the season as long as they have guys that are playing dominant up front. It's one uh, the Titans before I thought were going to be very matchup heavy. Like once some teams are going to look great, and some teams are going to look awful. But now it's more like I think they can hang with everybody. And especially they got through the stretch even on offense without Derrick Henry. And I know yeah, yeah, what do you want to say about that? But it's like they're they're finding ways to win and but it looks sound. It's not like, whoa, they got really freaking lucky. Um, but it's yeah, it, it was cool. It's cool to see some improvement from a unit that I that was pretty disappointing for, for a couple of weeks at the beginning of the year. All right. The last thing we wanted to hit here is what the Ravens have been looking like against the blitz, because you watch what happened against Miami last week and it happened in the national primetime game. It's going to get a lot of publicity. And to me, it's an extension of what's been creeping up for a while against the Ravens this year and even back into last year. So against the dolphins last week, 19 dropbacks of cover zero, 19, 11 of 17 for 140 yards and interception and two sacks. They had four first downs on 19 cover zero dropbacks. That is extreme. Yes. That, that is it again, in its own little zip code out there, but this has been creeping up for a while. 24 dropbacks against cover zero over the first eight games tied for the league lead with Josh Allen. If you look back to last year, it was like in the top 10 
But then at the end of the season, the Bills brought cover zero blitz, cover zero blitzes in non-short yard situations six times against the Ravens in that playoff game last year. And that little formula that they threw out, teams have not scrapped it. And now the Dolphins leaned into it harder than anyone else has. So this has been building. It's not as if the Dolphins said, we're going to throw this weird game plan out of nowhere at Lamar Jackson. Teams have slowly been picking up on this. And now this is up to the Ravens to show teams you can't do this against us. We're going to make you pay for it. Until they have an answer, teams are going to keep doing this. The Bears are a good matchup because the Bears don't blitz. But for the most part, teams that have a capacity to do this are going to keep doing this. And you could tell the Ravens this past game where they went to every answer they could think of to try and get like get the Dolphins out of cover zero. They kept throwing the flats. And the thing is, uh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get mean in a second, but it's <laughs> they try <laughs> just a prep. Uh, but they you know they tried sprint out. Sprint out's a good answer against cover zero because hey, it's a safe wadded up protection. You get the quarterback on the move. You can block the edge and you get the ball out. Okay, they tried it. Dolphins were ready for that answer, and they're just squatting out there, like, "Yeah, we're in man, but we're really kind of like passing this off, so we're gonna just whap your receiver." Okay, Lamar missed the shot early, which is that's how you get a team out of cover zeros. You hit the shot, but then it was like they never tried another shot for a couple quarters. Um, even the stuff where they would keep the running back in, they're running basic six man protection, which is the worst thing you could possibly do against this Patriots Dolphins cover zero variation. The worst thing you do is run a basic ass NFL uh, six man protection. But that's what what was prevalent in this game is that's all they got. That's all the Ravens got in their grab bag. We talked about in train. Uh, we were talking about earlier. Um, oh, with the, the Raiders, they're a cover three team. They can't just all of a sudden nowhere run cover two if they've never practiced it. When you're in camp, you might run some protections or some plays or some coverages or some blitzes that you, you run for a couple of days. You get it on tape. Everyone learns it. You get the rules in place and then you might never come back to it. But you might come back to it in week 10. You might come back to it week 11. You might come back to it in the playoffs. And then you finally go, hey, we're going to hey, remember that in August. Hey, we're going to try this, 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 and this yeah. part of the tape. And you're watching freaking training camp tape. And it's like, oh, my God, remember that guy? We cut him and all that kind of stuff. It's very apparent to me is that the Ravens did not have a traditional seven-man protection. They just didn't have it in their playbook. And because that's what you have to go to to get a team out of this. And you want to know why it's even worse is that that's what the Bengals did to the Ravens defense just a couple of weeks ago. They yeah. went to that seven-man protection. They sorted everything out, and Burrow was able to gash down the field, or relatively down the field. They it was like the Ravens tried everything they did. To, they tried every answer possible, every quick answer possible. Get the ball out quick, throwing a bunch of those flat routes, like the little number uh, Hollywood Brown to flat with two blockers. Um, they were trying everything. They tried to run mesh, and then but what happens against this cover zero pressure? Two of the guys will drop out that the O line slides to it. Why it's bad against six-man protection is whatever the line slides to, those guys are reading the slide and they drop out to the hot lane. So if you want to throw a crosser, there's two guys waiting for him. Ravens try to run mesh on third down. There's two guys waiting for him. And Lamar was like, shit. And it had to like, he tried to scramble and there's guys coming off the edge. This has been building up though. We made a joke about it a few weeks ago. Every time they're in empty, the team, I think, I think the Bengals did blitz them. They'll go in empty and basically become a one-on-one between Lamar and the free edge rusher. And it was like, all right, well, that works. Well, Lamar's going to break his ankles. The Dolphins just went, cranked it up. And we're like, well, we're going to get we're two. two free rush. Yes. <laughs> That's what they did. And it worked. And it makes sense because the Ravens had no answers. They went for the cheap answers and they didn't have sound rules. And this is something that's it's ticked me off with the Ravens offense for a couple of years now because it's like I, it crops up. 
They don't have answers for what defense. Sometimes when a defense has a good game plan against them, they're like, uh, run that again, run the, run the flat again. And it's like, it didn't work last time because they're ready for it, dude. Like you, you know that, right? It's not because you got unlucky. It's because they're waiting for it. And I, it, it showed me that they just didn't have those protection rules sorted out and they just didn't have an answer for it. And that's why it was, it was frustrating. Cause it's like, Hey, that's how you, you get a team out of it. Uh, my dad was the one that kind of taught me this. We'd run seven man protection a lot, Wisconsin, but my dad, he would say that they would love seven man protection against Rex Ryan teams because it was, you wad yeah. it up on third down and poof, you go over the top and you get them and they'll get out. They'll get out of it very quickly. If you hit one or two of those the Ravens never did it. So what dolphins never got out of it. So it's kind of, that's it. If you look at it coming into this game, more teams had run cover zero against Lamar Jackson than any quarterback in the league. Again, this is something teams have been doing on those plays. Negative 0.3 EPA per dropback, which is 24th among 36 qualified quarterbacks. That, that if you do this against him this year, you've essentially turned him into Zach Wilson. I was going to say, who are the guys around him? Is that it's, that's well? It's it it's a lot of the guys at the end, but that, Zach Wilson's about negative 0.3 on a normal basis. So if you run cover oh, zero against Lamar Jackson, you are essentially turning him into Zach Wilson every play. That's what oh, defenses Jesus. have been doing. And the, the craziest part about this was you could see them gain confidence. So early in the se- early in the game, right, they're running it in the scenarios where you'd run it. It's third and nine. Yep. Then by the fourth quarter, the Ravens have the ball at midfield. It's first and ten, and the score is nine to three. It's not as though it's a two-score yeah. game and you're in a passing Two situation mode, yeah. and it's third down. First and 10 <laughs> in a six-point game, they came out and ran a six-man cover zero pressure. Then it worked. On second down, they did it again. And on third down, they did it again. You're getting punked at that point. Yes. When you're yes. coming out on first and 10 in a one-score game and teams are running cover zero blitzes against you and they do it yep. three plays in a row, that's when you're getting embarrassed at that point. Yes. And you have zero answers, zero yes. answers. And the answers that you try to go to are kind of the high school hairy answers. Uh, I'll just say it like just that's what they did. They went for the easy answers. And that's why I'm frustrated. It's like it, it, that's what it was. They were all oh, God. It's so it's so funny. Like you said, defense is a confidence thing. And it's like you see this Dolphins unit also going like, hey, you pointed at me again. Hey, I'm going to drop in the hot. Like, hey, you, you're free. Like, it's your turn this time. Like, and you saw it happen time. How do you not look at the freaking Microsoft Surface? Great name, ad drop right there. How do you not look at it on the sideline and just go like, okay, so this is what they're doing. We're going to have to wad it up. We'll have to do this, this, and this. Nope, let's just run six-man protection again. Have Devontae Freeman block the inside guy and have two free runners coming on the outside. Just time. and It looked the same. That's what was so funny. Every guy coming free was the exact same every single time. It was oh, just, yeah. I, it's, it, I, I'm curious how this next game goes and what like what happens. You know, I'm curious if teams are just like, oh, wow. like Let's, let's get our version of that against them. The Bears have run cover zero, I think, on 13 plays this year. All of them have been short yards or red zone. <laughs> and they're not okay. blitzes. Okay. They're just in there. Which is all outs. Yeah, that's the run. It's the way it's, that you would run. normally play it. The Bears don't play do the run. this. They are one of the no. least blitz-heavy teams in the entire NFL. This is not who they are. We'll see. We'll see if they say, all right, this works. Maybe we go to it. Because this is going to be the question about the Ravens. Until they show that they have an answer for it, until they show that they have a counterpunch, Teams are going to keep doing it because we've seen what happens when you let Lamar play quarterback this year. It's a bad idea. He, If you yes. give him time and you let him sit back there, they're going to find big plays against you in the passing yes. game. That has been a real thing for the Ravens this year. But this is a way to dictate the game to them and make them play a way that they don't want to. And I think that, you know, sometimes we talk about 
Is it a blueprint? Probably not. In this case, it is. In this case, it is a blueprint because it's been work. It's not one game. I mean, this happened. Their last we're halfway through the season. Yes, and it's it started in the playoffs last year. It started with that Bills game where they ran it. They did it six times. It and the Ravens had no answers. And teams came into the season thinking, all right, maybe we can do this because it's counterintuitive. You send extra bodies after Lamar. You're a little bit worried about him getting loose. What can he do to you? But teams have not been afraid of that this year. They've leaned yeah. into it, and they're going to lean into it even heavier, I think, after that game last week. And especially, well, the Bears are coming off a bye too. They can they can have a very game plan heavy type game plan, for very uh, very maybe have a couple of tweaks in there, maybe a couple of new pressures we see from the Chicago Bears this week. So probably not, but uh, you never know. Uh, prob- probably not. Probably not. We have to wait a couple of weeks here. But if the Ravens are a playoff team, if the Ravens, yes. we're talking about a muddy AFC. Where it's really bunched up, we don't know who's going to come out of it. When you have a defined weakness like this, it matters. Like it this, this is the type of stuff that can really show up when the games start to get important down the stretch. Yes. It compounds. All right, that is all we got for today. Let's get to Shield. All right, it's time now for this week's pick segment. Thrilled to welcome our good friend Shield Capadia. Shield, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing. I'm doing well. You know, I I was doing some. Uh, Outfit workshopping earlier. I didn't know what Nate was going to do. So uh, glad to see it's all come together and everyone's having fun at our expense. I'm sure you guys will see this on social media. Both of our fine gentlemen on this podcast with me lost their lukewarm locks of the week last week while getting their other two games right. Yep. So both of you got one point last week, bringing the score on the season to 19 and a half for Shield and 14 and a half for Nate. No ground, up made, no ground made up either way. But both of you lost. Sheil, you bet on the you bet on the Browns. We've already done some Brown stuff this this year, so we decided to go a little Patriots heavy with your punishment. You had to destroy one of your sweatshirts and then mimic the Bill Belichick look the other day from him walking through the tunnel with his sweat pant leg inexplicably pulled up. We tweeted it out. If you have not seen it, please go check it out. I tweeted it yesterday. Nate. Who bet on the Bucks minus nine and a half against Washington last week? They lost outright. Straight up lost. Yep. So you got to go to a costume shop in Las Vegas and dress like a pirate, which is yep. fantastic. You look great. Yep. I, I can't you. wait for people to see this that haven't seen it yet. So that's what we're looking at. I am staring at a knockoff Bill Belichick and a very cheaply dressed pirate here <laughs> as we go through this show. And that's where we are. And it's one of those moments, again, where it reminds me of No Country for Old Men when Javier Bardem's in the hotel room with Woody Harrelson. Yeah. And he said, if the rule that you followed brought you to here, then what good was the rule? That's how that's how I, both of you have to be feeling right now in this moment. Well, it, it's getting a little scary for me personally because, first of all, I've never seen my wife more invested in my work than what I told her we had to do. I mean, she brought out the scissors. She's oh, fixing yeah. my sleeve. She's like, no, that, that leg, that, you know, I showed her the Belichick picture. She's like, that leg's got to be up a little bit. And then after we took the picture, she's like, how does it, she's like, you look really like, comfortable and at ease in that outfit and I thought about it for a second I'm like I do feel at ease in this Belichick cutoff hoodie and this weird you know this weird sweatpant thing and then I'm thinking to two weeks ago I'm like I kind of did like that Dan Campbell coffee order uh like I don't know what I'm gonna be like by the end of this season I'm gonna be a different person maybe these are just life tips that I'm gonna get the picks wrong there's gonna be some embarrassment but by the end of the year I'm gonna be a new man who's you know figured out some uh, life cheats here it's possible Maybe that's the secret sauce to Belichick's success. Yeah, is that he's just so comfortable all the time. I feel free. 
it fuel, he feels free. It just yeah. fuels his mindset at all times. Maybe we should yeah. all start dressing like this. Har- Harbaugh was on that in San Fran wearing the same khakis every day, but he went uncomfortable. See, that's the thing. I think Belichick <laughs> figured it out by going, yeah, yes, you can wear the same thing every day, but you got to increase the comfort level. I can't yeah. take myself seriously. Every time I look up, I just see this. <laughs> this. And I'm an idiot for putting the eye patch on the left eye because my notes are to the left side. I keep forgetting that I'm blind, so I keep thinking that something's in my eye. So this is great. I love it. I love, And I love, too, that's the most confident I've been in a pick of the week, in a lukewarm lock. I I'd even give notes. I just said, have you guys seen these teams? And I, I'm driving and I see it's 14 nothing or whatever, 10 nothing or 14 nothing right off the bat. And I was like, the score has got to be wrong. That's the Bucks are up 14 nothing, right? Nope. Nope. They knew I bet on them. <laughs> great, great, great week for me to unveil my Patriots are overrated take. I mean, outstanding oh. timing. Uh, that game was, that was the thing. That game was going on. And I was like, <laughs> Like fist bumping, but I couldn't even enjoy it because it was like I was on the other side, but the Patriots, I couldn't even enjoy it because I don't know. I guess, you know, Tyler Anakin wants to run a 19 play drive to ice the game against Tom Brady. It's like, shouldn't this, this all feels reversed right now? <laughs> this should be Tom Brady and the Bucks running a 19 play drive to ice the game, but oh my God. Uh, say love you. <laughs> all right. So two weeks ago, Nate, you did get all three of yours right. So if we're going back in time here, that allows you to tee off. So what's your first one? What do you got for me? Yes, because on whatever it was, hole nine, I, I, I won. So pushing on hole 10, here we are in hole 11. Hole 11 on the most miserable 18 holes I've played. The, I am going with – I can't believe I'm doing this again. I'm going to go with the Panthers minus three hosting Washington. And this is was two and a half. I know. This was two and a half. Uh, and this is not bitterness, maybe a little bit, bitterness from last week, trying to get after Washington again. But – I really do think this Panthers defense is legitimate. Uh, I, I mean, obviously so. But now that they've gotten healthier, seeing Shaq Thompson again out there flying around was cool. But the running all that pressure stuff they do, that matches up well, uh, I think, with what Washington wants to do. I said this last week, too, so who knows? Uh, but also going to spread, the spread, more spread looks that Washington does. They like to do a lot of four funky, funky four strong looks. They are trying to just get as much mileage as they can from their from their guys right now in Washington. They Scott Turner tries everything possible under the sun trying to just get some yards and it works sometimes sometimes it doesn't. I think this Carolina defense they can hold them better than 11 for 19 or whatever it was on third down. However, however Washington ended up last week it might have been more than that. I just think that Washington just got lucky in those situations. They weren't great on first and second and down and then you can I don't think they could sustain on third down cuz I think that's what the Panthers do best is their yeah, third exactly. down defense against every type and that's what how basically Washington won last week. On the flip side, I think the Cam boost is going to be real. They're going to be in Carolina, Cam's in, back in town, probably starting the game. I, I think it's going to be a raucous crowd in Charlotte this week. So I think that it's only minus three. You're saying those teams are about even. Um, I think CMC might end up about 12 to 15 catches abusing this Washington, those Washington linebackers. I think that's what type of game they can negate that pass rush Washington has, who have been a little undervalued and with the Chase Young injury against the Panthers offensive line. It hasn't been great. I think Cam kind of raises that bar and helps them out like he did for years in Carolina before when they had poor O-line. So going with the Panthers minus three hosting Washington. The third down point is a really good one. That's exactly how I would have thought about it, just because that's where the Bucks really struggled last week. And we yeah. talked about it on Sunday show after the Panthers won. The Panthers have corners. You know, St- Stephon Gilmore is only playing like 20 snaps a game for them because of how many corners they have. D. Delaney, who is playing corner for the Bucks right now, is not walking through that door for Carolina. <laughs> so I'm not sure they'll be quite as successful on third down. The Washington I'm talking about against the Panthers as they were against the Bucks last week. All right. Shield, what's your first one? 
All right, I'm riding with one of the teams that uh, won one of my games last week, and that's the Buffalo Bills. They're they're minus seven at home against the Colts. I feel like I've said this stat probably 400 times, but every one of the Bills' wins has come by 15 points or more. They've blown out a lot of teams. Their defense ranks first in every statistical category. I rewatching that Colts game during the week. I mean, I thought that was a bad offensive performance. They scored one touchdown on 11 drives. Their plan A is Jonathan Taylor dominating, which he's been unbelievable, so that certainly could happen. Their plan B is to draw pass interference penalties uh, downfield. I think Carson Wentz, their guys have drawn like 230 pass interference penalties. It's by far the first in the NFL, but uh, I think they might have some more trouble sustaining that. Robert can just tell. I have no my confidence. If it was bad last week, I mean, this week I was going through the slate going, shoot, I don't like, I can't find anything on here. Dude, I was I was at the point where I was same. like, I'm just going to show my five-year-old here here are the names pick three for daddy for a podcast later so uh the Lindsay jones method yeah i know i know and she's crushing i know yeah, i should have no. done that done much better much uh, better. than i am so uh the colts wins have come against jacoby Brissett, davis mills the monsoon game against jimmy g Mike White, Josh Johnson, and Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, I know the Bills offense isn't what it was last year, but I still feel like they'll be able to come up with some chaotic plays and score in this game. So I've got Bill. I was hoping that would go down to six and a half. It hasn't. I checked right. Trust me. I checked. I'm looking for every edge right before we signed on. I checked. It hadn't happened. And so uh, minus seven Bills at home against the Colts. The reason I was laughing is that you said that the Colts had drawn 230 pass interference penalties this year. You meant 230 <laughs> okay. yards, I want to say. Oh, but it see, does I'm seem flustered. like they're drawing 230 yeah. pass oh, interference that exact, penalties That made sense year. to me. I was like, oh, yeah, it might have been 210. Yeah, but. That seems like a lot, but it might be possible. <laughs> I am fascinated by this game. We talked about the Colts running game earlier on the show. The Bills run defense has been fantastic. The Bills defense has been fantastic. You watch yeah. them play, and it's just – I really do feel like defense – doesn't boil down to confidence, but it's so confidence dependent. And I think that's why you can see these units kind of catch fire for short periods of time. When you're healthy and when you're locked in, I was rewatching their game against Jacksonville just to get a sense of their run defense. We talked about this earlier on the show. Yeah. Just like the plays that Taron Johnson is making in the run game. And the guys like that, that just are really throwing their bodies around. It's like, yeah, like that, that team is locked in. And we have not seen the Colts play against a defense, even in that realm over this stretch where they've been successful on offense. I, I don't know what to expect from that game, but I'm very intrigued by what those two units look like going against each other. So I'm with you, Shu. I mean, I absolutely could see this being a, a fairly convincing Bills win. All right, Nate, what's your second one, man? I was just like Sheol on my Panthers bet. It was two and a half to open this week. And then it was just like, so I checked it. I was like, oh, it's three, dang it. But <laughs> another two and a half right here. I can't believe I am, I'm going to end up picking this game because I wanted to just watch it as a neutral fan observer and just not have to worry about it. But I, I just can't. I think this is a good chance for it. I'm going to go with the Cowboys plus two and a half at the Chiefs. This is a terrible idea. I know. And this is where I just everything comes unfolded, uh, <laughs> unraveled for me and my whole season and my takes and everything. But I'm going to go with the Cowboys plus two and a half. I really, when we, were broke, we broke this game down earlier, Robert, and I just think the Cowboys offense is such a great matchup for the Chiefs defense, even if they are yeah. improved. I don't even know if they are or not, but even if they have kind of honed in on what they are, I think the Cowboys can be able to run at will and and be able to stay in base and be able to dictate what they want to do, which is great. I know Chiefs defense hasn't been great this year. I mean, not even average, not even below average, but they have been improving. 
I just think this Cowboys team is just like, all right, whatever. I don't care if you're improving. We're going to just steamroll and do our stuff. That's how good this that offense is. They can just run their stuff and that's and not worry about what the defense is doing and take away Spags' ace in the hole with all the pressures and stuff. And then on the flip side, I think, again, we already broke this down, but uh, with the Chiefs offense and the Cowboys defense, yeah, that is some worry with the single high stuff that the Cowboys like to run. I do think the team speed of the Cowboys and what I've seen from Dan Quinn this year, because he has adapted in other games where he has – throwing in some sprinkles of other coverages, especially against the Vikings is okay. Maybe he has a different plan than maybe Gus Bradley just going full Gus Bradley for an entire game <laughs> and make it a little tougher on them. So I just think this game's going to be great. I'm super excited for it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I, I think this Cowboys team is truly elite. I, I really, the more I watch them every week, I'm just like, they're really freaking good. So Cowboys plus two and a half. All the, the analysis of the football is correct. But I just would never sully this game with a pick of mine because it's too pure for that. That's the only reason that I think it's a mistake on your end. Because I, I agree just with want you. it to wash over me as a football fan. And now you've taken that from yourself. <laughs> I know. I know. And I'm not even a fan of a team where you buy a win or anything like that. It's just like, I know. I did ruin it for myself. I really did. I, I'm with you. I, I, like, I want to change it, even though I'm like, yeah, I, I believe everything I just said. And I still want to change it because I have complete agreement with Robert just said. I am an expert emotional hedger. When it comes to this kind of stuff, like in my fantasy draft this year, in my in our rookie draft, I had the chance to take Justin Fields. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because then if it goes whammy. awry, I'm losing twice. Yeah. If he's yep. good, I won't care about the fantasy football side of this. You have to take that stuff into account when you're making these sort of decisions. And I'm a little disappointed in you for not doing it here. <laughs> All right. Joe, what do you got for me? What's your second one? Yeah, I mean, well, that's how it turns out. I mean, I you know, Nate messaged me during the early games last week, just said, hate watching everything. And I felt like he was the only person in the world who understood me uh, at that moment. So there's my this two is, sad sack buddies. Here. This is the life we've chosen. Don't don't beat yourself up on it. I, I was actually thinking about going Cowboys, but when I can avoid being on the other side of like a Mahomes and I don't I like the Cowboys in this game. Don't get me wrong, but I was like, uh, I'm just not going to do yeah. that. But this next pick will make no sense because of what I just said. And this one, there's like no great analysis. There's no great analytics. There's no great X's and O's. This is sort of a narrative emotion feel. And that's the Seahawks plus two and a half at home against the Cardinals. Yes, I am taking the team that just got shut out last week in what was probably the worst offensive performance in nine years under Russell Wilson. Yep, that's the team I'm betting, uh, I'm betting on this week. They're a desperate team. I mean, they're a prideful team. I don't want to go all, you know, like TV analyst uh, on this, but like there's something, I mean, talk about backs they're a up team against with fight. The, they have fight the and will. I feel like they're going to, you know, everything is like on the line here. They already have an under 20% chance to make the playoffs, but their season's not totally over. I can look at Russell Wilson and say, all right, he was bad last week, but it's going to take you some time to learn how to play with that finger injury. Can he adjust? We have nine years of history here that he's usually, you know, he's figured a lot of things out uh, like that. We don't know if Kyler Murray's going to play. If he does play, we don't know if he's going to be 100% for this game. So, again, I, I don't have a great argument here other than I was going through the games and being like, man, they really, they really, really, really need this one. <laughs> and maybe, maybe they can either cover or pull this one out. They're at home. And so I'm going Seahawks plus two and a half against the Cardinals. It's I'm fascinated pick. by what I mean, what? you don't even have to react, I, it, really. The fact that Murray could not play, that's your saving grace here. Yeah, it, although I thought that, that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say that, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I was excited for you, and that, oh, 
<laughs> One of my the things that I've really kind of appreciated about the Cardinals this year is that they have not been afraid to take full measures when it comes to the way they approach certain offenses, right? When they yeah. played against the Niners, they lined up with three defensive backs in the game and essentially said, we dare you to throw it. We dare you. And they're willing to go the other way. And I'm curious, after watching what the Packers did this week, after some of the things that the Cardinals did against the Rams earlier this year, if they're just going to line up with two deep safeties and say, we, we dare you to run the ball, like we dare you to beat us underneath. Because almost more than any other team in the league, I feel like the Cardinals have been willing to live in the margins schematically on defense, depending on who their opponent is. And I'm really yeah. worried what I'm not. I'm really interested in what they took from Green Bay last week and what they look like on defense against Russell. Could be ugly. That's for sure. Great <laughs> <Hey>, pick, Shield. <laughs> All right, Nate. What's apart. your third one? All right. Lukewarm lock because I haven't learned my lesson. And I know I think I'm just going to pick my lukewarm locks based on cities like food and <laughs> beverage items because it's like, okay, that's what we could do from now on. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the 49ers minus six and a half at the Jaguars. I, I, I'm i not overreacting to this last game, or maybe a little bit uh, against the Rams, but I do think that I've watched this Jags team and they're bad. And, and, I mean, defensively, uh, they had a couple a couple flashes against the Colts, uh, but I just think they just don't have the talent measures to kind of keep up with the San Francisco run game for four quarters. I, I honestly don't. I, I think it's just going to be a, a 49ers pound fest, zone fest, and Debo Samuel running away, running away off from it. Like, I really do think Jimmy G is not going to have to win the game for them, which is ideal if you're betting on the 49ers. <laughs> um, and I also just think this 49ers defense – I mean, they're going to give that Jags front issues. I think the Jags O-line talent-wise is okay, maybe a step below that. But they they can have some protection stuff. Even with Trevor Lawrence, who actually dictates, he does a pretty good job with it. They just can't hold up. They'll get fooled a couple times. Uh, they've had, when James Robinson was down, they kind of had some running back issues and protection. I think this 49ers front is pretty badass. And I think that they can take it to him, get him a couple times, bring some pressure on Lawrence. And really just take advantage of what they want to do. And also those Jaguars receivers, I know the 49ers corners are playing better, but it's the Jaguars receivers. There's some names you know, but they haven't been playing well. I'm I've, I'm I'm waiting for Trevor Lawrence to pop. So I, I check on them every week. And every week I watch and I see these Jaguars receivers running short, getting they're like magnets to defenders. Like they just can't get open. So they, I don't think they're a team that can threaten uh, the 49ers passing attack or passing defense. So I'm going to go 49ers minus six and a half. I'm happy it's under a touchdown. And go from there and hopefully I can have like sourdough bread or something next week when I lose this lukewarm <laughs> lock or so whatever, some so whatever we can have from San Francisco. This is, this, this is, is type good. of game. Yeah. Where they, go ahead. We need, if you're, if you're a believer in the Niners and if you think that last week was a turning point, they need to stomp the Jaguars on Sunday. Yes. I mean, that is exactly what you need. That, that is the next step you need to see them take. If they're going to be that team that takes that seventh spot in the NFC. Cause right now, if I'm looking at the chessboard, and the way that it looks, they feel like that team based on what happened last week, based on yeah. just how uninspiring everyone else has been. But you need to see that this week. Yes. Good yeah, this is Nate. This this follows my rule from a few weeks ago. It's it's you know, and I lost. I think I bet the Bills against the Jags, 
But like, I wasn't beating myself up. I was like, you know what? Yeah, you're going to give me a fluky Jags win. Uh, I can live with that. This was like a a frightening line because you're looking at it going, wait a minute, under a touchdown against the Jags. You just saw what they did. So I was scared of it. I still took the uh, 49ers in my column. But yeah, this is one of those like scary lines. Yeah, I was like that too. And and not only did I bet it, I made it my lukewarm lock because I just had to pick one of these. I, I, it was a tough line week. I'm not going to oh, lie. It's tough. And this is, might be it, the toughest this was, week all season. This was the toughest one for yeah. me because I, I don't like any of these either. I might just like, yeah. yeah, Panthers, I guess. I hope you guys yeah. like that one. Want to tell me? You want that confidence? Uh, but it's, watching the first drive last week against the Rams and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, George Kittle's healthy again. That's right. That's yeah. really useful to have. Yeah. And that unlocked a lot of things for that 49ers offense, not just, of course, passing attack. And, of course, we're going to talk about it, but George Kittle run blocking and all those things. Also, those outside zones were hitting a lot harder when that tight end can seal the edge and mow some guys down. So I, I think that was a little bit of that. So maybe, like you said, it's like it's a weird line. It really is. But I'm going to try. I'm biting. I'm biting on it and see what's, what happens. <laughs> Part of me hopes that the running game looks great, so we have an excuse to watch it next week and previewing the yeah. following week. Because yeah, when they were playing exactly. the Jags, I was, I was like, ah. I mean, they were great yeah. last week. We're really going to talk about them playing the Jaguars. Now yeah. we need another good one, so I have yes. an excuse to dig back in and watch some Trent Williams before they play Minnesota <laughs> next week. All right, exactly. Shio, what's your last one? All right. I hate this one. Uh, as we've mentioned, I hate all of <laughs> God, these. You guys are so beaten down. This, this week. one is terrible. Well, normally it's like I like my picks, even though I get I might get them wrong, but I feel good in the moment. That's, yeah. that's not this week. Same. I, I'm betting on the coach here. Uh, Mike Tomlin, when you are an underdog, your team has come through 66% of the time against the spread. Okay in your career. So that is the degenerate uh, stat of the week. Yeah, I'm looking up Mike Tomlin against the spread. Yeah, that's how I'm spending my Thursday afternoon. What are they? Did cut- you see what they are against when they're like a touchdown or more favorite? I'm sure it's those not numbers good. are way worse. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's what I all year I've just been uh, Sean Payton and Mike Tomlin. Favorites, I'm fading them. Underdogs, I'm taking them. It's it's worked out well. It won't work out it well has. this week, but that has been my uh, my method. <laughs> for this week. So I know they have injury questions. I don't even know who's starting a quarterback, which is really great uh, for the Steelers. If Roethlisberger is going to be back or not, TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, we don't know about them. The Chargers uh, was so high on them coming into the season. They've lost their luster a little bit for me. You know, they just got a little conservative last week. We know they're not pushing the ball downfield as much. Their defense is 25th in EPA per drive and 32nd in success rate. And so uh, it might just be a recency bias for me because I watched that Chargers game last week and I was pretty frustrated. And then I looked at the Tomlin stuff and he's an underdog. So this is basically just trusting the Steelers DNA to be able to kind of keep this one competitive uh, six and a half or better. Yeah, that Chargers defense, we didn't get a chance to dig into it today because we really went long on the Chiefs-Cowboys game. But I want to watch this game because I want to kind of figure out what's going on over there. I haven't watched it in depth enough recently. It's definitely on my list of stuff because it's just kind of confounding. You know, I've had some injuries they've been dealing with, but it really feels like they just have not been able to find a groove whatsoever. So I can understand even if Mason Rudolph was in this game, Feeling like the Chargers, or excuse me, feeling like the Steelers' offense might have a shot. I'll be honest. One of the most disappointing things for me, and we're and now it's picked up a lot of steam, as as all three of us know on Twitter, is that oh Lombardi throws the ball short. Why isn't he throwing the ball deep with Herbert? I think the thing is most disappointing when I watch the Chargers' offense is the protection stuff because I they got some smart, smart, talented guys, and they don't adjust to anything. And I think Zimmer dictated it. 
every time they got to second and long or third down this last week, Zimmer controlled the game. And it was like, at first it was when I was watching it live, I was like, oh, that's just a thought I have. Like, oh, you know, heat of the moment. That's what, oh, Zimmer's got him in the walls of Jericho. Ha, ha, ha. And I watched it on film and it was like, oh, yeah, he did. It was, yeah, figure four, walls of Jericho. He was tapping. I mean, they they went to a full slide because they gave up the Chargers line and the protection. They were just like, I, we can't protect this. Let's just slide everybody. That's a win for the defense. And that's I've seen that now happen two of the last three weeks, I think. They had it against the Ravens. Now they had it this week and it, uh, the Chargers offense, I mean, going against those teams that blitz a lot. So it's like they got to figure that out. And the teams out. are going to keep coming because oh, yeah. they know that it's you're going to start you're going to start going into that shell and it, because it those problems start compounding one another right yep. if you can't yep. protect then you have to throw it short of the it's sticks. a scab that other teams pick at they just start yes. picking at picking at picking at picking at and if you don't fix it and let it heal then it it just yeah turns this bad. is when and i don't think the chargers are going to do this because they're too talented yeah but this is how you see disasters happen yes is these offenses shield knows this very well watching the 2020 eagles last year <laughs> It's these offenses that just start to compress and compress and compress, and then everything just starts to feel hard because the problems are just piling on one another. When you can't yeah. protect, and then you start throwing quick game all the time in order to be an antidote to not being able to protect, then the defense, it, it all starts to fall apart. Yeah. And I just, that to me, I don't think it'll happen because I think their players are too good, but yeah. that's just the last, that's the worst case scenario. That's like the worst version of an offense to watch. It sounds and like me and Shield with our picks. That point. <laughs> What's that? It sounds like me and Shield with our picks. Tightening. Oh, I was gonna say tightening, <laughs> tightening, throwing quick game. We're just tightening on our picks. Like that. I was gonna be like, just... I nailed this one. You guys just explained it. Yeah, we don't even need to just you know put the three points in the spreadsheet now and we can move on. I do like that. I do like my night game. Uh, you know, you wait till the night game. That way you delay some of the pain uh for yeah. this. I feel like that's worked well for me. So yeah, if, if yes. nothing else, uh that's that's why I took this one. Love it. All right, Love guys. It. Thank you as always. Love Nate wearing the pirate outfit. It made my day. Appreciate you guys for listening. Please rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. I would really appreciate that if you guys did it. Also, please subscribe to The Athletic. You can check out Shields Picks and all of the other great coverage we have. Theathletic.com slash football show. Nate and I will be back on Sunday night. Please come check that out. In the meantime, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you guys soon. This was the Athletic Football Show.